Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean Cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hodgeberg, and this is episode number 393. You know what? When it comes to cruise stories, there's probably no better cruise story to think about than an anniversary or any kind of special celebration. And this week, we've got a great one to share as Haley talks to us about her five-year anniversary cruise to Alaska that they took with some friends who also got recently married. Here we go. Our next cruise story is going, uh, actually, one of my favorite topics, which, of course, is special celebrations on a cruise ship. And joining us this week on the Real Green Blog Podcast is Haley Cameron. Haley, welcome to the Real Green Blog Podcast. Hi, Matt. Thanks so much for having me. This is like a bucket list item. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, we're really glad to hear that. And I'm so glad that you volunteered to uh, share your cruise story with us. And uh, Haley, where are we going today? Yay. Okay. So we are going back in time to August of 2017 on the Explorer of the Seas um, for a seven-night round trip out of Seattle to Alaska. So yay. Super excited about it. Now, why are we going to this particular cruise? Um, so when I think back, I mean, I've, I love cruising. I have had five canceled in the past year, um, as I'm sure you've had even more and everybody's experienced that. Um, but when I think in my mind about cruising, I keep coming back to this cruise. Um, and I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that it was for a special occasion. It was, um, my husband and my, our five-year anniversary. And we went with, um, two of our friends that also got married, um, about two weeks prior to us. So we were both celebrating the five years and yeah, it's just one of those memorable cruises that sticks out in my mind. Awesome. Like I said, at the top of the show, you know, memorable cruises are rather special celebrations are mem- every cruise is memorable, but special celebrations mm-hmm. are extra memorable. And whether it's a birthday or an anniversary in, in, in my experience, having been married also for a similar amount of years as you Haley, um, mm-hmm. you know, I use these special celebrations also as a, an excuse to book a cruise that I can't possibly get flack <laughs> for. <laughs> so I love it. And Alaska explore the seas. I did that cruise as well. Loved it. So um, how did you pick Alaska to celebrate? Was there a particular reason why you settled on uh, this particular sailing in this itinerary? Yeah, so there was a few reasons. So one being, and I, my husband always gets a chuckle um, when I tell him this, but he uh, he always says he has fair Scottish Scottish skin. So he had enough of getting burned to a crisp in the Caribbean. Um, so that was part of it that we were like, all right, we're ready for a change. You know, where can we go that might be a little bit more, you know, milder temperatures for him? Um, and we always have to cruise, not always, but one of our, you know. We always like to cruise during our anniversary, which is in August. And so in the Caribbean, I mean, it's extra hot in August. So, um, so yeah, we decided to go with something a little bit more milder, hoping that we'd get really good weather in Alaska. Um, it worked out, you know, for our friends. Um, and originally, too, my sister and brother-in-law, they got married um, probably about six what would that be about now about eight months after us so they you know they would be in around that same time period of celebrating five years as well so they were actually supposed to come with us um and they ended up having to um uh cancel their reservation they had refundable cruise fare (laughs) just always i know you always talk matt about getting the refundable cruise fare so um they had that and so it ended up just being the four of us um after they canceled but it was seriously such a blast yeah, I mean, Alaska is amazing. I've talked about it on the podcast here at length. And I have to sleep one of my crews. I was supposed to go to Alaska again in 2020. Womp, womp. 
But yep. that's neither here nor there. We're here to talk about Haley's Cruise, Explorer <laughs> of the Seas. And uh, Explorer went out of Seattle. Uh, how easy was it for you to get to Seattle? Yeah, I mean, we, we're from Michigan. So, you know, it was a hike, right? But, you know, we did flew there. I think we had like one layover or whatever. Um, we ended up renting a car when we got there because we, we went in two days before because that was part also part of why we decided on Alaska is because, you know, we Seattle has just been one of those, you know, cities that had been on our list that we wanted to visit. Um, so we rented a car when we got there, which I also think is funny because we get there and I mean, nothing wrong with a minivan or anything, but I just, when I think of a minivan, I think of like, you know, the mom and all of her kids right in the, in the back of the car, in the back of the van. And so we rolled up and I got to drive the minivan full of, you know, our friends and my husband. And, um, so there's this really goofy picture floating around there of me, like waving, you know, out of the, you know, the, uh, driver's side window. Um, so we, we rented the car, we stayed there for two, two days prior. Um, we did a really cool food tour, um, at Pike place market. Um, in the morning of the morning of uh, the cruise departure, actually. Um, so we dropped off the car right down by the port and then did our uh, like breakfast food tour. And then like it's literally right there to get onto the um, onto the ship. So we got actually I think we might have kept our luggage in the car first. <laughs> come to think of it, then dropped it off after we uh, dropped our luggage off at the at the port. But yeah, it was pretty easy. And we got to check a few, check a few items off of our list, you know, getting to Pike Place Market, which is always, you know, that's a good time. We even went there on the way back um, when we stayed a night on the way back from the cruise. Um, and then we ended up going to some like site. I don't know if you're, if anybody's a Nirvana fan. Um, so there's lots of you guys out there, but my husband's a huge Nirvana fan. So we went and saw like this, this bench that Kurt Cobain, I don't know. (laughs) It was, it was supposed to be important in some way. So it was kind of cool. Yeah. Nice. Well, it's a, it's obviously I love it and I recommend anybody give an opportunity whenever we can, of course, get back to Alaska and you're right. Spending a day or so in Seattle is a must do whether you're doing it before the cruise or after the cruise. And uh, what kind of room did you get for this particular cruise? Yeah, we ended up getting a virtual balcony. um, And that was our first time. Um, And I really liked it. I mean, we're the type of cruisers who spend very little time in our room. Um, But I know for Alaska, having a balcony, you know, does have a lot more advantages than say like a Caribbean cruise, right? Um, So our friends actually got splurged and got the balcony. Um, I always measure like... I mean, I'm sure a lot of you listening can relate, but I measure things in terms of like, oh, that's another cruise or that's Mm -hmm. another cruise deposit, right? So the amount of money difference between the virtual balcony and the actual balcony was honestly like the price of another cruise fare, like in an interior room. So to me, I was like, eh, do I splurge and get the balcony or do I save that? And that's another cruise. So um, we opted to just get the virtual balcony and our friends were you know, gracious enough to, to let us come hang out on their balcony um, on the day that we were like traveling the inside passage um, in Alaska. So we got to kind of see the sights, but it was nice to just kind of have that, um, you know, you can, they have, they actually had curtains over the virtual balcony so that you can like, you know, have it dark at night and then, you know, open it up in the morning. So that was kind of cool to be able to say, oh, look, here we are. Okay. Or there's an iceberg or, or whatever it was while we were cruising. Um, it was cool to have that, but still it was this about the same price as just a regular interior room. So that part of it was really nice. 
I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, I The first time we went to Alaska, we did a junior suite and we paid through the nose for it. And I thought that, you know, I, I've heard the same things that you did, you know, balcony, balcony, Alaska, you have to get a balcony. And it is nice. And but but I really think that the, the price gap is tremendous between a balcony and a lower room, smaller inside room. And I did it afterwards. I really came back thinking, no, I don't think it's worth it at all. Back in the day, if you were on a smaller ship that didn't have as much public space, balconies were important. But I did this. I don't know about if you did the same thing, Haley. Um, I was on the balcony in the beginning. Like we woke up. It was like, you know, I don't know, 6 a.m. or whatever it was. And we were in the inside passage and I get on the balcony and we're freezing and we're enjoying it. It's great. Don't get me wrong. But then I'm like, you know what? Tell my wife, I said, I'm going to go upstairs and go see what all the suckers are doing up there on their public space. And I, yeah, I'm going to be laughing my head off. And I have my own public space, right? And I get up there and I look around and it's like the John Travolta meme <laughs> where he just looks around like, where is everybody? There's not like, there's tons of space. Even mm-hmm. on the helipad, it wasn't even that crowded uh, to, to go there. So yeah, I think you save the money and there's so yeah. much public space available. It's not like the old days of cruising. That's where that balcony recommendation comes from. So anyway, long way. Yeah long-winded way of me telling you i agree all right let's talk about what you did sports that's always fun so let's start off with uh juno okay well actually i was just going to add too when you had mentioned about the public space like um we did the same thing we went up there because you know we didn't want to we weren't on our friends balconies the whole time you know we went up there and we actually found it like way more fun there was like this person dressed up in like a bald eagle costume (laughs) like taking photos and like we ended up getting a photo with the ball and buying that one you know and I mean we don't really buy the cruise photos that often but that was just too hilarious to not so we ended up getting that and you know we had a good time and like you said the helipad was a lot of you know there was a lot of space there you could see things really clearly um yeah so it kind of worked out um but yeah, so for Juno, we did a, um, I don't really know exactly what it's called, but uh, some sort of like raft, but it was at the, um, what's the, is the big glacier at Mendenhall? Am I saying that correctly? Yes. Mendenhall Glacier? Okay. So it basically it started, you know, you're on a raft and you're, you're getting pretty close up to the glacier, but there was, you know, I mean, it wasn't like white water rafting or anything, but you know, it was fun. There was a lot of times where, you know, big splashes and you're getting soaking wet. Um, and you know, they had us wear these big rubber, like fisherman looking suits and boots and everything. Um, and so we had a guide in the, in the raft with us. And then other passengers were like taking turns, like, um, you know, using the oars and everything. Um, and that was really fun. We actually got to see a couple of bald eagles, um, I was really hoping we would see more, um, you know, actual wildlife, like maybe a bear or maybe, you know, um, you know, a moose or something like that. But we saw the eagles and then there was, of course, a lot of salmon that we saw. Um, and I will. Oh, I got to tell this story real quickly as like a side note is part of the whole balcony of us being on our friend's balcony. And this just reminded me. Um, my husband is convinced that he saw a bear while we were like cruising along and, you know, we weren't that close to land and we did have binoculars, but he like is convinced he saw a bear through the binoculars. And I was like, okay, I got to tell everybody that because to this day he'll be like, remember when I saw that bear? And I'm like, you did not see the bear. Um, but the whole time that was what I was looking for is bears. And, um, but anyway, so yeah, we did the, we did the raft, um, then we went to the Salty Dog Saloon. Did you did you guys do that when you went, Matt? 
I don't think so. I heard about that one, um, but okay. I don't think we made it over there. We had a long day, and then the kids were just unfortunately that was the, that's all she wrote. Oh gosh, <laughs> yeah. Um, we went to the Salty Dog Saloon, which you know I had done like some some research beforehand, and that was like the place to go to. And they had this famous shot there that some of you guys might have heard of called the Duck Farts Shot. Oh, yeah. So we of course all had to get one of those. Um, and it actually wasn't too bad. I'm not one for taking shots. So I was very nervous, but it actually wasn't that bad. Um, so yeah, that was a lot of fun in Juno, and then kind of just walked around, got to, you know, um, after we went to the saloon, we just kind of walked around that main area there. Um, I think I remember passing by like the Juno library and, um, I'm a teacher, I teach English. So I, I was kind of like, Oh, can we go in the library guys? And, <laughs> and nobody seemed to want to do that, but um, but yeah, we just, we had a good time and it was, it was a busy day. Um, and then just headed back to the ship after that. Yeah. It's, uh, it, your experience sounds awesome. And it sounds like a really fun day. It's funny you mentioned about the bear when we were in, this happened this in Skagway. Um, first of all, I went to Mendenhall Glacier state park to go see, we just did it on our own, we took a taxi over there. Mm-hmm. And I remember going there. The reason why we picked that park was there was someone who had posted a video of that park and there was a, they, there was like a bear like right next to them. I was like, oh my oh. God, amazing. No bears. And then we went in Skagway. We did, an, we did a Humvee tour and drove around and we get to the Canadian border and you have to go through customs, you know, the check, the immigration, whatever. And the, the Canadian uh, Mountie was like, oh, did you see any bears yet? I'm like, no. And I'm like, oh, you're going to see a ton. Like they made it seem like we're going to see, we're going to run over bears. You know, it's going to be all over the place. We saw one bear and I was like, oh, amazing. But right. like, yeah, it's either it seems like it's feast or famine. Obviously, with I, I know they hibernate. You can save the emails, but the uh, <laughs> but they you know it, it's some people see a ton, and then unfortunately, Haley, sometimes you don't see the or your husband thinks he saw the bear, so maybe he did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, but yeah. Cool. What did um, you do in uh, Skagway? So yeah, so Skagway, we started out with a morning hike, um, and. You know, it was one of those things right now, everybody says dress in layers, right? So we definitely had to do that. And and uh, another thing, too, I want to add is that the weather was beautiful. Like the entire time we were there, I mean, we came with like our raincoats, um, you know, our umbrellas, everything, because I just heard that it gets wet. And, you know, at some point in the day, it's raining or, you know, cloudy, whatever. It was like... 75 degrees the entire time we were there. I mean, the only time it really got cold on the ship was when we were, you know, more out further away from land. And when we were like in the inside passage, you know, sailing by like glaciers, you know, um, but yeah, so we started with a hike and, you know, it was a little chilly in the morning. So I wore like, you know, the raincoat and a hoodie and, you know, kind of some, some workout attire. Um, cause it was a pretty decent, hike I mean where they took us and they they gave us little fanny packs which were fun that they packed with snacks and water and everything um so we got to like stop at different points and get really nice views and the guides would you know take pictures for us and we'd have our snack and that sort of thing um and it was also really nice too we booked all of our excursions we booked through the cruise line um and it was really nice because our friends you know we're going at a little bit of a different pace than us. And there was two different guides and the one guide ended up just kind of falling back with our friends and they ended up having just like one-on-one, you know, with just, you know, them and the one guide and they went at their own pace. They kind of changed the route a little bit. Um, and that was really awesome. Um, you know, that they really, you know, took care of the people and went right at their level and everything. 
Um, so we did that. And the whole time, of course, I'm trying to find a, ba- a bear. I'm trying to find a, a, a moose. And the only thing that we found the whole time um, was moose poop. <laughs> so, you know, that was like, as we were hiking, you know, the guides would be like, oh, watch out, watch out. You know, there's some more over here. Um, and then with that excursion, we rode on the train uh, that, yeah, take you had to have your passport with you for this excursion because it would take you through Canada and then all the way back down. Um, so that was really fun. And then when we got back into town, like we had because it left early morning, we had some uh, some time left over and um, we ended up booking another excursion just like last minute. Um, or actually I think we booked it the night before last minute. Cause we were like, Oh, we're going to have a lot of time left over. Um, and that was like a trolley tour kind of thing. And to be honest, I kind of regret going <laughs> because, you know, we were tired after the hike. We didn't really account for how tired we would be. Um, and it was a little bit more historical than I thought it would be a lot of talking, a lot of, you know, um, we got, we got to stop in some really cool places to get, you know, good views of the ship and get a few great pictures and stuff like that. So, you know, that was really nice, but it was one of those things though, that in the moment you're like, oh, I wish I was kind of like <laughs> just hanging yeah. out, at, you know, hanging out back of the ship or something, you know. And Skagway has got such an interesting downtown area. We did the same thing, Haley, where we had a, an AM excursion and then oh. the afternoon to ourselves. And uh, in Skagway, see, in, in Juneau, we, we punted and just went back to the ship. But in, mm-hmm. in Skagway, actually, if memory serves me correctly, we learned our lesson and, and shoved the kids into Adventure Ocean and then oh. came back in downtown and explored and kind of, you know, did that. So it's, you yeah. know, your limits. it's easy when you're sitting at home to be like, oh, we're going to do everything. We're going to explore yes. everything. And then you <laughs> realize, oh, maybe not. Cool. Yeah, and, I'm a tired. <laughs> <laughs> how about um, uh, Victoria? Victoria. Oh my gosh. Okay. So Victoria is one of those ports that like, I, you know, when you see it on the itinerary, you're like, okay, what what's there. Right. And some of the things I was seeing, like the, I can't remember what it's called, but the gardens that are there are very popular and I'm not really into that kind of thing. So we ended up, we love food tours. Um, and we love like the bike tours. So they actually offered, um, through the, sh- or no, it wasn't through the ship. This one, this one we found on TripAdvisor. And it was a food bike tour. So best of both worlds. Um, and so, you know, we, it was pretty easily accessible. We met right by the ship. And I even looked at the reviews to make sure that like, you know, cruise passengers had had success doing this, you know, because I'm, I'm a worry wart. I like to be like back. I know you've said that before. I like to be back with like more than enough time. Um, I don't like cutting it close to get back to the ship. Um, so this was really nice because I think like the time that we got back was really good. And there was a lot of reviews from cruisers saying like, you know, it was pretty much catered for them, you know? So we ended up going, you know, I think to five or six different places around Victoria all by bike. So we got to really see all the really pretty views, um, really go to places that locals were going, you know, it was away from that immediate like area, you know, right when you get into port, um, and my favorite thing about this, like I still think about this, is the tea flight. We went to this um, this little like tea house or I don't know what you'd call it, but um, and we got like a whole flight and, and like three iced teas, like two hot teas and got to sample all of those. And then they had little like light little snacks for us at that one. Um, and yeah, that like still to this day is probably one of my favorite excursions that I've ever done. Um, so that definitely stands out in my mind. So all of the excursions, all of the ports, 
um, were fantastic and beautiful weather. That's awesome. And now, now here's the here's the million dollar question because yeah. this is something that I also thought uh, as well after doing my Alaska cruise. What would you do differently if you go back in time and redo that cruise? What would you have done? One, I know one thing is you mentioned it, which was that after your the after your tour in uh, Skagway, you you did that last minute trolley tour and you regretted that because you you pushed the limit a little too much there. So, yeah. um, are there any other? Any other regrets that you have? Things you would just do differently, whether they were bad or good or, you know, more time here or less time there. How would you, you know, looking back on it, would be your advice to somebody else going to Alaska? Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know that I have any regrets per se, but I will say maybe as a whole, I mean, I kind of, it's one of those things, right, where when you go somewhere and then you go, okay, well, next time I'll do this. And in our head, next time we want to do a um, – back to back out of Vancouver. Cause I think it's like a one way. So then you get to see you get, cause we didn't get to go to, um, what's the other one that they go to, uh, catch a can is another one that they go to. Um, and I think and correct me if I'm wrong. I think that one is only if you go through Vancouver, but Vancouver is, you know, you'd have to fly to Vancouver. Um, and then I think it ports somewhere else. Like it's not round trip from the same place. Um, so in hindsight, that would have been really cool for our first time to Alaska to have been just that two weeks because now I'm finding it really hard to get myself back there, you know, um, especially after all these cruise cancellations. I feel like I'm so behind on all these other ones that I wanted to do. Um, that would have been like, for, you know, we had a, a, um, a Canadian or New England, Canada one uh, that was canceled. We had a Mexican Riviera one. So these are places that like I haven't been to on a cruise. So now it's almost like I can't justify going somewhere that I've been before if I still haven't done the places that I haven't been, you know? Absolutely. So I guess if I could redo it, I would just go all out and do two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Nice. And uh, obviously, we, we skipped over a lot of the ship because, I mean, Alaska is just such a huge part of the cruise. I mean, it's why you take the cruise, right? It's, it's very much, in my opinion, almost secondary to the, to the destinations. But uh, mm -hmm. what did you like about Explorers? What stands out in your mind? You're thinking back on this cruise now. Was there anything that you really uh, you know, enjoyed or, or uh, particularly missed uh, about Explorer the Seas? Yeah, it was a great ship. I mean, we had been on like Freedom Class ships prior to, um, so it was a little bit smaller. But to me, it's it was very similar to the freedom class ship, just slightly smaller. Um, and yeah, there was a lot of great things. This ship um, had the murder mystery dinner, which I don't feel like I see on very many uh, Royal ships. So that was the first ship that we had been on that offered that. And so we, we did it. Um, and it was a lot of fun. I thought the dinner was great. They did like, um, like surf and turf for the dinner. Um, the, you know, the, the show itself was a little cheesy, you know, to be expected, I think, but it was fun. It was entertaining. Um, and it was nice to just kind of do something different, you know? Um, another thing that, uh, that we liked on this ship as well, that was the first thing that we had, or the first time that we had really seen that, um, was that we like karaoke. My husband loves karaoke. Our friend, uh, Tim, who went with us, he they both love to do karaoke. So not only did they have just like the regular like karaoke, I think they did it at, like the schooner bar. Um, but then they ended up having like this whole big karaoke competition that they did in Studio B. Um, and that was really fun, especially like, and this is a moment that stands out is, um, you know, we're from the Detroit area in Michigan and, you know, so of course somebody had to do journey, you know? Um, and so, you know, the part in, what is that? 
don't stop believing or whatever, um, where it says like born and raised in South Detroit, you know, all four of us just like got up out of our seats and like screamed it. And like, so I don't know, it's just one of those things that you just remember. Um, that was a really good time. And then of course, like the quest show, you know, you don't want to spoil too much about quest, but, um, my husband was one of the captains. And so that was like the first time that he had, that one of us had really like participated that much in it. Um, so he did that. Um, we had a lot of fun uh, with the Quest show. And, you know, the dining was was excellent. We did um, a lot of, uh, I don't think we did any specialty rest, any specialty dining other than just like the murder mystery um, show and dinner. Um, but what, what I found interesting, though, too, about that um, is I feel like I've heard people say this before about how like sometimes the first night in the dining room can be a little bit slow. You know, they're figuring things out. It's the first night of the cruise, like that sort of thing. And we had never experienced that before. Um, but yeah, that the first night was actually really bad. <laughs> like it was the first time that we had had kind of like a bad experience in the dining room. Um, but then, so we went back the second day cause we were like, okay, let's, you know, let's just see how it is, you know, and then we'll kind of decide whether we need to like say something or not, you know? Um, and the second day was excellent. And then, you know, every day and actually the waiter, like we still remember his name, Bernardo, uh, was amazing. And on the actual night of, um, our anniversary, he like came to our table with a guitar and just sung to us, like just serenaded us while playing his guitar. And it was just one of those things that you're like, this would only happen on a cruise ship. you like, you know, the dining staff is just top notch. And so I just, that's still something that sticks out in my head today. That's fantastic. I mean, it's, it's a great sailing. Uh, it's a great ship. And the main dining room, the first night is always kind of just like, it's so weird how they can sometimes get it so bad on the first night. And then after that, it's a miracle. Everything's fine. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I, I get it that it's like, you know, new guests and people are kind of slow. I, I don't know. It's, it's a weird phenomenon. It's not you. It's, not anybody here listening to the podcast it's just the way it is so yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's 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 a it's weird but i'm glad that you uh you got past that and that things and you sound like you had a great cruise overall yeah it was fantastic loved it fantastic well uh Haley, thanks again for joining us here on the podcast and uh i this is a great cruise story yay thanks so much for having me matt i totally appreciate it Alrighty, time to answer some listener emails. These are the emails that you, yes, you have sent in. Well, maybe not you, but somebody like you has sent in to the podcast for me to answer. And if you want to be like that other person, you can always do so by sending an email to Matt at Royal Caribbean blog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T at Royal Caribbean blog.com. Our first email is from my very good friend, Mr. Joe Makuritz. Hey, Matt, this is a follow-up to my email last week about getting the best of both Matt three-day or four-day cruise suggestions. We're doing a three-night, four-night back-to-back Navigator of the Seas in December of 2021. This will be my first back-to-back cruise. Could you answer some questions for Johnny V and me? Describe what happens on Disembarkation Reembarkation Day, the amazing bet that MEI Travel, shameless plug, has us in the same balcony for both legs. Basically, what's going to happen is on towards the end of cruise number one, you'll get a letter in your room telling you that uh, at the end of the cruise to go to this specific location, usually a lounge, where you will meet other people also who are consecutive cruisers. And Royal Caribbean will basically escort you off the ship once everybody else is off the ship. So you'll be the last ones off and then escort you back on. First one's back on. And uh, and then you have the run of the ship. I mean, there's not a whole lot to do in the hour or so 
that you'll have before other guests get on board. I mean, all the venues are still shut down. So most people, including myself, usually just take a nap and go back to the room because your room is available to you because you have the same room because you're amazing travel agent, Beth at MEI Travel, another shameless plug, got it all for you. So, you know, I would just go hang in your room, watch some TV, take a nap. Uh, you could go to the pool deck and kind of lounge if you wanted to. But again, the venues aren't really open. And then eventually other guests will get there and other venues will open and then cruise number two begins. Next up, uh, Jover says, I'm guessing the entertainment will be the same for both legs, main theater, showroom, ice shoe, et cetera. Generally, yes. I mean, you could swap out entertainers, uh, maybe the featured entertainer, whether it's a comedian or whatever, may change. Also, being on a four-nighter versus a three-nighter, you get that extra day, obviously. So there will be a little discrepancy in the schedule. I mean, they're not going to switch out the shows like the, you know, the, the, the main entertainment. You're right about that. But you'd be surprised that there is a little variation in terms of the uh, featured entertainment and whatnot. So uh, movies may change a little bit, but no, it's mostly more the same than anything. Joe also has this with my second trip to Coco Key and Johnny V's first. I don't recall, but do they serve complimentary breakfast on the island? They do not. The only place you can get breakfast on the island would be if you paid extra to go to the Coco Beach Club. So you do need to go to the Winjamea first. And he says also, Joe's ask, we're getting the unlimited dining package for the second leg. That gets us lunch on embarkation day and a sea day. Yes, and yes, you are correct on that. And Azumi Island Navigator does not have hibachi tables. That is correct. And uh, Joe writes, as always, as a Royal Caribbean blog insider, another shameless plug, thanks for all you do. Happy sales. Joe, my friend, thank you so much. I wish everybody was as supportive as you are, friend. Really appreciate the email. Next up is an email from Adam who writes, Hi, Matt. Listen to episode 388 on cruising in 2021. Can you explain the requirements you discussed around limits on cruises that are seven nights? Would you expect Odyssey of, of the Seas Cruises in November that show eight nights to be more likely not eligible to sail? Thanks for all the helpful info. Good question, Adam. So um, the seven night limit is a rule by the CDC. It's part of the conditional sale order, which is, a, which is in effect right now. It's what replaced the no sale order. And under the conditional sale order, there are some hard and fast rules. And one of them is being cruises may not exceed seven nights. That's from the US, by the way, of course, the CDC's purview does not extend to other places. So obviously Europe or Singapore doesn't matter. However, you're wanting about Odyssey of the Seas. And with Odyssey, no, a lot can change, right? But the conditional sale order currently only runs through, I believe, some point in November 2021. I forget exactly when the date is, but once that order expires, if there is an A nighter that goes beyond that, that would be okay. Unless, of course, you know, the, the conditional sale order was extended. But that's the reason why the eight nighters may not be kaput. They may still occur. We don't know, Adam. I mean, listen, no one really knows. And, uh, you know, Royal Caribbean still has not decided what to do with any of the eight night sailings that are on the books. I think they're just kicking the can down the road. And they're basically saying, listen, until we really see cruises actually going to restart, there's no point in making a decision that's just going to annoy everybody, you know, one way or another. So let's just wait. And when cruises actually do restart, We'll cross that bridge when we need to. And I, I think it makes sense. It's kind of a, I mean, it puts a lot of cruisers in limbo to some extent, but at the same time, I think it's probably the, it's actually the most responsible thing to do by letting it go because, you know, you can't put the genie back in the bottle. If you decide to cancel those longer sailings or, or shorten them, and then it ends up being okay to go, you know, you run into a, a situation there later on. That's hard to uh, fix. So in this situation, I think deferring it makes sense, but uh, I understand some people might not like that idea. But Adam, I hope that answers your question. 
Next up is an email from Maria. Hello, Matt. Looking forward to hearing your new podcast episode. I love the blog. We're hoping that our December 5th Harmony of the Seas cruise will happen and be safe. Will the winter waves be really rough that time of year? And will we see Christmas decoration around the ship? You definitely will see Christmas decoration around the ship, Maria. Usually you get the decorations right around Thanksgiving. If it's not on Thanksgiving, it's right after it. So I think you're pretty safe on that. In terms of will there be winter waves be really rough? No. You're going on Harmony of the Seas of the Caribbean. You really don't get much rocking and motion in the area that time of year. Um, really, winter, you're right, can be a little more, uh, you know, the, the waves can be churned up a little more, but that's really like reserved for like open ocean. The Caribbean and uh, even the areas around the Bahamas is not, it's a very shallow area of water, uh, relatively speaking, of course. And um, that being said, it doesn't get, you know, crazy waves or anything like that. Not only that, when you're in December, you're now out of hurricane season. So you don't worry too much about, you know, storms like that churning up the oceans. So it's relatively calm, actually. Of course, as you know, a front comes through and anything can change. But no, it's not inherently worse by any means, Maria. It's actually a great time of the year to go on a cruise. And uh, I think you'll have a lovely time, assuming, of course, your cruise gets to go. And I hope it does. But no, I wouldn't worry too much about that. I think really, you know, I mean, obviously in waves and and how much motion in the ocean you're going to experience you can have bad waves or bad weather throughout the year there is no guaranteed safe time but i also believe that just because she's going in winter doesn't mean that there's an inherently going to be larger waves or anything like that i've had very smooth uh cruises in the winter i've had very smooth cruises in the spring summer and then obviously vice versa all around as well. So you never know, but no, it's not a guarantee like, oh boy, Maria, buckle up. It's going to be a, a bumpy ride by any means. Next up is an email from Andrew. It's, hey, Matt, long time listener here. I'm glad listener emails are back as they were always my favorite part of the show. I did have an idea for you or maybe one of your listeners who has a ton of time on their hands, perhaps the person who sent in the three-part history of the podcast. I know that you often get asked the same question all the time. What should I do in port X? By now, I could probably answer these questions for you, and I feel like you are a saint for answering the same questions with the same enthusiasm each time. I also know that you've made blog posts about the various things you've tried and places you've stayed in a lot of different areas. Perhaps if there was a link to a page similar to the Cruise Compass page you have on Royal Caribbean blog, that at every port and each port had a page or section with your high-level thoughts and links to all the blog posts you've written about that port, some of these people would be able to find these as well as the hundreds who never gather the courage to email you. I could see value in that. Even experienced cruisers would use that when researching ports. For example, I remember when Matt talked about a particular all-inclusive, he went there, what would Matt do? <laughs> or I could just not be lazy and try searching the blog myself for little gold mines. Andrew, it's a great idea, actually. And I love actually sent Andrew an email thanking him for the, for the suggestion. And I, I think it's a great idea. I think I'm going to wait for, obviously, Cruz to actually restart to, uh, to pursue that a little bit more. I mean, there's a couple of things that are at play here. Number one, and this is no dig on anybody here who listens to the podcast, because I get it. I do this podcast for you guys. This is not my, you know, uh, soapbox where I just stand up here, you know, belt a bunch of things out and then step away, right? I, I love the listener emails. I love being able to answer questions. And in a lot of cases, it's nice being able to, you know, hear an answer and, and get verification of what you're doing, validation of what you're doing. Um, but in general, having run Royal Green blog for now over 10 years, I can tell you that in a lot of cases, people don't necessarily search to every extent before sending in a message. Sometimes they just want to get, like I said, validation that they're doing the right thing, they're thinking in the right direction, or quite simply, like you said, hey man, sometimes it's just easier to fire it off an email to the podcast saying, hey, what should I do in Cozumel? Even though, yes, I have talked about what to do in Cozumel a hundred times, probably. That doesn't bother me. And, and a lot of things, a lot of times things change as well. 
So what I may have said, you know, what's great to do in Cosmel in 2016 may not necessarily be the same as in here in 2021. And obviously, as we go forward here in uh, 2021 and beyond, you know, who knows what's going to happen and how that's all going to change. Now, all of that being said, I do think there is value in Andrew's suggestion because at the end of the day, I want to make things easy for everybody, right? And if you guys know that there's a, just like the Cruise Compass page, you can go to, you know, find a particular port, whether it's Cozumel, Nassau, you know, Grand Cayman, figure out what you want to do there and then have, you know, find the latest information. Yeah, I think there is some value in that. And ports have always been a challenge. I mean, no matter which ports you're talking about, it's always a question of what should I do there? And things change. That's the other issue because, of course, even I know this, that if I, you know, am looking up something and there's a recommendation from three or four years ago, I the first time, uh, you know, I'll definitely think in, the, you know, in my front of my head, oh, man, maybe this is out of date. You know, maybe something's changed. So there's still value, obviously, I think, in, in being able to send an email. So please don't ever feel... Uh, embarrassed or bad about asking me a question you know I've answered before. If that was the case, the blog would not be updated at all because I've tackled a lot of these things and it's totally okay. I get used to it. It doesn't bother me, but I do appreciate your input and it's a great suggestion, Andrew. And I think there's definitely some middle ground to be found there because I think there is value in a page like that. So when cruises start up again, I definitely want to hit that up. I actually did a blog post the other week about Barbados and what to do over there. And I think maybe with some of these grandeur of the sea sailings, as cruises start to resume and we get an idea of which itineraries will actually be visited, I think it's a really great idea to maybe start tackling that topic and and provide more. Right at the end of cruising, one of my goals in 2020 and didn't really happen was to provide more in-depth shore excursion options. Start doing like a lot of cases I would go to Nassau and I would just walk or I would I'd not do anything. I would just sit on the ship because I've been like I've been in Nassau. But the thing is, is that I realized a lot of people want to know what to do, especially some of the more popular excursions. Are they worth it, quote unquote? And so the last cruise I took in February of 2020, we I did a tour. I, I booked the excursion for Blue Lagoon Island almost because only because I get so many questions about it and what to do in Nassau. And one of my things I want to do is more of that. So I think when cruising does resume, I'd love to be able to tackle that a little bit more and provide you know more in-depth uh, information in terms of shore excursions, especially if it looks like maybe some of these excursions are going to be limited in the time going forward. So we'll have to see on that. So, wow, that was a, that was a really long question, really long answer for a very short email. But thank you, Andrew, for the for the suggestion. Good stuff there. And our last email this week comes to us from Jason Peterson, who, uh, of course, was the uh, subject of a recent episode we talked about. He shared our cruise story with us. Uh, hi, Matt. First, thanks for having me, I guess, on a recent episode of your podcast. Tell me about uh, tell everybody about my cruise on Harmony of the Seas. I enjoyed the trip down memory lane, especially since it is as close as we can get to going on a cruise currently. I realized afterwards I didn't talk much about my excursions in ports other than Roatan. So here's a quick recap. In Cozumel, we were able to get a private boat for a snorkeling group that I had previously used, CozumelShoreExcursions.net. We met the rep a few blocks outside the port at a local hotel, and they took us to a dock at the hotel where we met our captain and snorkeling guide. We had three separate stops for snorkeling and... We uh, were provided refreshments and a very brief beach stop. At Perfect Day, Coco Key, we split up somewhat into multiple activities. Three of our group chose the thrill option of the day pass to go to the water park, while the rest of the group chose the chill island at the Oasis Lagoon Cabana. In Costa Maya, we went to Maya Chan for the day. I cannot say enough good things about the food and drink, but especially the staff. The stay there included taxi transportation to and from with plenty of food and drinks. The staff is very available and willing to make your day special, so much so that I almost felt guilty for sometimes declining the need for another drink. Other than the murky water, which makes the ocean less inviting to enjoy, everything was perfect. 
We decided to pay extra for massages at a very reasonable rate. I now see why you recommend it so highly. One question for you, Matt. I wanted to know your opinion on the current wave season, early months of the year when cruise lines typically offer some of their best deals on cruise fares. I haven't noticed anything especially enticing so far. What do you think? Are there more bookings and not the need for amazing promos because of so much FCCs and lift and shifts? Or have they already given their best offers already? And uh, between, you know, things like kids sale for and double crown anchor promos. Thanks for keeping us dreaming of our next cruise, even if we aren't sure when that might happen. Great email, Jason. Thanks for uh, letting us know about the stuff you did in there. Good stuff. And wave season has really been, I don't want to call it a bust because a bust means it had to have existed. It just wasn't a thing this year. Um, wave season is typically what the cruise industry refers to the first couple months of the year in which a lot of people tend to book cruises. The reason being, you know, this is all pre-COVID, of course, the uh, people would look at, you know, beginning of the year, holidays are over, right? We're in January. Okay, family. Time to start planning our next vacation for this family, whether it's in spring break, summer, whenever. And inevitably, this time of year, the, you know, the, um, the uh, January was the time to start looking at exactly when, you know, you should be doing what we should have planned for the rest of the year. And so wave season was when you would see a wave, a spike in bookings. And it would be the reason they also called the waves would carry over into really wave season technically goes from like January to like, you know, March or April, in fact, because there's such a, a heightened sense of things to do uh, and, and things to plan that you just get a, a giant spike here in the beginning of the year. But I think because of COVID and everything else, it, it was kind of like the cruise lines. I saw, I saw offers from the cruise lines and they were all like, yeah, here's our offer. Um, yeah, it's wave season. Hooray. It's not really the same thing. And so uh, it's a bust in the sense that there wasn't any lucrative deals. You did not miss out on anything, Jason. There wasn't any super awesome deals um, or anything crazy lucrative. Royal Caribbean really never got into that. I always thought with wave season, you saw much better deals with not like the mainstream cruise lines. A lot of the smaller ones who were trying to drum up business may use it as a impetus for, you know, uh, providing a little bit more. But like you never really saw much more. I mean, this is, I think, also a product of the fact that Royal Caribbean has promos every week, right? You know, uh, when I first started RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, you know, Royal Caribbean didn't have a promo every month, every week. They would, you know, wow sales were really important things. It's something that if you can always tell if someone is, has been a cruise fan for a while or not, if they know or they can remember when wow sales used to matter and it, it meant something. Um, but that's changed a lot. And because there's promos all the time, to your point, Jason, that that also has contributed, I believe, to the lack of like this just like blockbuster OMG, wake grandma up because it's that good of a deal deal. Um, we just don't see that. In general, when it comes to getting the lowest price on your cruise, I've always felt that it's a game you've got to play over the long haul. And I never recommend to anybody to try to time a sale, whether it's Black Friday, whether it's wave season, no matter, even, even a wow sale when they do come up every now and then, it's not what it used to be. It's a matter of you pick a cruise, you pick a sailing, and then you watch that sailing for price changes. In a lot of cases, you see more significant savings and random sales in the middle of the year than you do on a major hyped holiday like Black Friday or even a wow sale or a wave season sale. So it, it's just, that's kind of the, the reality of Royal Caribbean. That may not be true for other cruise lines, but in my experience, if you're looking for the best possible price, you book early and then you watch the price and rebook often as there are price decreases. And again, there's no rhyme or reason as to when one becomes cheaper or another. It's just randomly happens. Usually when the new promo does begin, there's a new promo every, every month and 
even every week at this point. So there's always something to look at. And that's really the the truth about sales, at least for Royal Caribbean. So um, you didn't miss anything, Jason. No one did. It was just kind of a, like, I, I think like so many other promos out there, they've just been this kind of like, eh, we're doing something. So yeah, maybe next year it'll all be different. So thank you, Jason, for the email. Thank you to everybody for checking out the Royal Caribbean blog podcast. Of course, if you want to send me your email and for me to answer your question, you can always do so. Even if I've answered it before, it doesn't matter. I love doing that. Sending it to Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt, and we'll talk again real soon.